welcome to Fans of the Forge. We are here recording on a weekend, which is a little different for us, yeah. because we have a special interview, our first international interview. Oh, that's right. Pretty incredible. <laughs> but to start things off, I'm Chris. To my right, we have... Teresa. To my left, we have... I'm Sean. And calling in via Skype, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Craig. Craig from Chop Knives and from the Knife Talk podcast. So we've been talking with you for a while now, um, ever since we kind of uh, started getting some shout outs on your show and then working, doing some stuff with Mareko and the Dragon's Breath guys. And then we, uh, we inserted ourselves in with <laughs> Fader and, and got a nice interview with him. <laughs> And um, I'm, I'm the last host to be interviewed. I get it. I it's get the it. last I'm one, fine. but I'm fine with that. it completes well, listen, the trifecta it's here. It's transatlantic. This isn't easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> We've got special satellites, you know, in yes. place. We, we, yeah, we, a lot of effort gone into this. <laughs> so first things first, congratulations on your two new babies. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can you see the bags under my eyes there? <laughs> well, that's yeah. the next question. Are you yeah. getting any sleep? We're getting sleep, but when they're awake, they're just so demanding so demanding we wouldn't want it any other way but we literally can't leave their side so they are now 12 13 weeks old um and i can count the number of days i've had in the shop on two hands oh wow it's it's pretty bad myself and my wife both work from home okay um and we thought that would be great we'll just have the babies and be able to do some work as and when but off (laughs) yeah there's a time when we wish we could go out to work to have a little break you know (laughs) yeah oh yeah (laughs) well we've been teresa and i have two kids ourselves who are uh upstairs watching a disney movie right now (laughs) keep them occupied luckily they're they're a little older and can sit there and not kill each other how old are they uh three and six Oh, right. Okay. So still young. Still young. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You want to take the first question? Sure. Um, How long have you been making knives? Um, About six years. Um, I'd say the last two years, sort of full time professionally. Um, The first, no, first couple of hundred knives were, they're stuck in a drawer somewhere. They'd never see the light of day. But um, yeah, I'd say it probably took probably about four years till I was happy enough to make a knife that I could sell. Um, and I just got that bug. So I, if we go right back, my, my background is is software development and web stuff. Um, but I've, I've always been a maker, just making stuff. So, you know, when, when I wasn't in front of the screen, I'd be I'd have a soldier and iron out on an Arduino or something. I'd be hacking something together, just always just making um, as part of my role then as a as a, as a developer. Um, we also my wife and I also put on some sort of developer conferences, that kind of thing. And we did that for years. And, you know, they got quite big up to sort of 2,000 developers in big auditoriums. It was a big international thing. Oh, wow. Um, but they just became the same, you know. And, you, you know, uh, as much as people say tech is changing so quickly, it, it, <laughs> it it's the same every year. It's always the same. Always <laughs> the same people, always have the same stories to tell. Um, so one year I did a, a retreat kind of conference. So these, these were four web developers and software developers. But we took them out into the woods and we, we booked these various people to teach us new skills. And one was um, making a, a wooden spoon. We did an axe making thing. We did all these things. And from that point on, I just I just sort of 
lost all interest in computer stuff really it was quite strange it was just well, well geez I'm, I'm getting much more enjoyment out of this mm-hmm. and then i went down that whole rabbit hole so you jump on youtube and you see somebody you know making a spoon then you suggested something else um i stumbled across walter sorrell's videos mm-hmm. um which are just incredible that i love them and that was it i was like right i'm gonna make a knife and then it all starts you know you get that sickness you make the first knife then oh it can be so much better the next time and so on you keep making and making and and it's led me to yeah becoming a, a full-time knife maker do you still have that first knife i do i do um the very first knife um i uh, it's quite silly of me really i i jump straight into making kitchen knives um, and for you know, for the knife makers out there that that know it, they're not really the easiest thing to start with because right. obviously they're very very thin edges. Um, but I've still got it. It's almost like a scalpel. It's been ground down so many times to re- be resharpened, and I still use it every single day. Oh, nice. um, it's really beat up, but I still use it every day. So yeah, it's it's a nice reminder sometimes to pick that up and go, geez, that that's a load of crap. But you know, <laughs> you get better with every knife. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So. The next thing I wanted to ask you about was um, your Indiegogo campaign that you kind of used to start Chop, right? Is that how that worked out? No, not really. So oh, okay. I mean, I'm completely wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chop has been going for um, probably about two and a half years okay. um, as, as a sort of a legal business kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Legal, not illegal. Yes. As a legal business. <laughs> um, and... It's it's difficult sometimes to establish it yourself to to sell knives because you know a handmade knife takes a lot of time and there's a certain price point to that and it's quite difficult to sell them. So my thinking was if I can take out the really dumb bits of knife making, which are the you know your profile in your shaping, get that done by a water jet, um, and I can concentrate on the grinds and the finish and the handle and that kind of thing. I could reduce my costs massively. So the whole idea of the Indiegogo campaign was to get a bunch of steak knives, cut out, laser cut out, and be able to sell them, you know, sub 100 euros, which was, which was the goal. Okay. Um, and it, it did very well, actually. So the actual campaign itself, um, you know, it didn't do amazingly well, didn't storm off the shelves. But what it did do was get the notice of a lot of restaurants. And they were then contacting me saying, well, look, we want these knives, but we don't particularly want to go through Indiegogo because they were aware of the charges of Indiegogo. Right. Um, plus, they wanted some sort of guarantee. Everybody's aware Indiegogo and Kickstarter, you don't really have any sort of guarantee. So I had sort of formal orders then come from restaurants of sort of 80, 120 knives, that kind of thing. So it really established me you know, very quickly and gave me a year's worth of work, um, which I'm really grateful for. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different way of doing things, um, but it seemed to have really worked out for me. Wow, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, I was listening to Knife Talk yesterday, uh, the mm. episode where Jeff interviewed you, just to ah, kind of yes. hear a little bit more of your backstory. And so it was funny hearing his reaction to the whole thing. I know it was probably almost a year ago now that you guys recorded that, but how yeah. shocked he was by the whole process that you went through to do that. But it turned out great. So that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. And. I'm glad you mentioned Jeff then, actually, because the the show. I don't know if any of your your fans of your show listen to Knife Talk too. It was a very very different show before Jeff came in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started off, um, and again, it was just this thing. I I wanted to learn more. I 
I get these really sort of itchy feet when I get into something. I really need to, you know, take everything apart and learn as much as I can. about. I get quite obsessive about things. Um, so I thought, well, how can I get to speak to great makers? I thought, well, I'll do some sort of podcast. So really lucky. We've got Walter Soros as the first guest. Or Alex Steele is the second. And we had, you know, these, these great, great guests. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just a way for me to to drill them and get information from them so I can get better. Um but after I think I'd done about probably 20, 25 shows um, and I was finding because it was just myself. I mean, there's three of you guys. So you obviously spread the load of it. Yeah. I was finding that I was just asking the same questions every week um, and I, I just wasn't enjoying it as much. Right. So I'd already interviewed uh, Jeff and Morocco in the past and we had some sort of chemistry. We got on. We had fun. So I invited them to join me as hosts. And the show was just completely changed it's it's a completely different show now um the audience has just skyrocketed and we have fun i really look forward to what we do every week we record every weekend goes live every monday um and we, we just have lots of fun so we have lots of audience participation participation can't speak today mm-hmm. um and it's just always good fun so we get you know the audience asking us questions we take tips from them as well um and again i'm still learning every week because you know i get to i get to speak with jeff and you know the great morocco every week so it's great for me and um, as i say it's something that i really enjoy so i've gotten quite a bit out of listening to your guys's podcast because you know i'm very early on in the whole blacksmithing bladesmithing kind of hobby here working on getting a workshop together that sort of thing but just listening to your guys's conversations about what's going on in your shop and some of the issues you come across or some of the good things that happen in your shop it it helps like it's just building my knowledge before i can even really get in there and do a whole lot of of hammering and that sort of thing so it's very informative um and i'm sure we share a lot of people that uh watch our stuff probably already are listening to you guys but if you're not you should check out knife talk because it's it's really cool yeah yeah, um, I, I say it's just a great way for me to learn stuff, and um, it's it amazes me the sort of community that we've sort of tapped into, because you know we're all trying to sell our work, you know whether you know whether we want to call ourselves artists or smiths or whatever we are, we all try, we want to sell our work, um, but we're also willing to help each other out too. You know, I, I can't imagine you know plumbers having you know a wrench talk podcast where they all help <laughs> each other out, you know. Um, but we do, and it's great. I, I really love it. We, we get so much feedback every week in our sort of DMs and so on. Um, people are giving us tips. They've heard us say something we're struggling with, and they're helping us. Um, there's obviously the forum then on the website as well, and that's pretty active. So, yeah, it's great to sort of tap into that community and, and just see. I mean, we're, we're having people who are, who are sort of meeting, you know, thanks to the forum, and they're working on projects together and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's really fun, really fun. I think Toilet Talk could take off as a plumber's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that might go a completely different direction. Quite possibly. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, (laughs) people might think it's a certain thing when it's not. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people be really disappointed. I think. (laughs) Yeah, they won't be trading wrench tips. There'll be something else. (laughs) Um, One other thing: the quiz show uh, segment that you guys have been doing has been awesome. I bet I've been loving hearing you guys compete. It's really good. It's been fun. It's yeah. been fun. So we try to have a different section each week because, you know, it can, just for us really to keep us, you know, amused and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I said to the guys, I said, look, get something that you can use as a buzzer 
next weekend. This was a few weeks ago. So they had an inkling it was going to be a quiz. So we just laid the quiz on them and we had fun. And we've, we've done it three times now. Um, so we've all been host mm-hmm. and the other two pitted against each other. Um, but we're going to do an episode where the three of us, we, we have a guest host coming in who's going to be the, uh, the, you know, the host of the quiz. Um, so that's going to be fun. So we'd be up against each other. But, you know, it's just a way for us to have to have some laughs, really. Oh, yeah. Especially at Jeff's expense. <laughs> Normally is. Normally is, yeah. yeah. We should do the quiz or keep doing um, complaints each week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get complaints every single week, but, which we love because the way I look at it is if everybody's happy, it's going to be pretty boring. You know, we want to sort of rattle a few cages a bit. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. We, we, we've had a little bit of issues with complaints as well recently, yeah. but we're not going to get into that. We don't need to <laughs> get into our YouTube comments. So why don't we move on oof, to the next oof. question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So do you have a preferred knife-making method like stock removal versus forging? Um, and do you still have yeah. a double forge? Um, I still have a devil forge. I don't use it anymore. Um, I use it just for little fun projects. Um, but um, all my knives are 100% stock removal. Um, and in fact, you know, the, the lower end, I've got a couple here. So these are, for example, the, the steak knives that we did for the Indiegogo campaign. Okay. They're still my biggest seller. Um, but I mean, these aren't even stock removal. These are, these were laser cut, um, oh, hence, wow. okay. hence the ridges out. Um, so I suppose it's stock removal in a way that I'm still doing the bevels and that sort right. of thing. So these are the, the sort of lower end, the cheaper end of the scale. But then going up to um, chef knives, you know, a standard sort of eight inch chef knife, um, all 100% stock removal. Um, a couple of reasons for that. Well, the first one is I don't have the skills to, to, to do a full integral knife. It's just something that I've never even tried. Um, but I struggled so when I first started to find my place in the market. Um, and I think that's why the podcast works, actually, because myself, Jeff and Morocco, the three of us have sort of different tiers in the market. Um, Morocco is obviously very, very high end. Yep. Um, Jeff is, you know, it's, it's still very, very high quality and a reasonable cost. And, and my goal really is to do the best quality that I can, but still sort of affordable for people, you know? Right. Um, so for example, a, a chef knife of mine will be about $300. Um, I mean, no corners are cut. Um, but I think o- over time as things develop and I develop more skills, maybe the price will go up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that's just where I am in the market at the moment. That's, that's, you know, that's what I can charge. That's, that's what works for me. But yeah, all stock removal, hundred percent. Cool. Uh, do you have a favorite blade style or design you like to make? Yes. Um, I like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Japanese style knives. Um, and I know, you know, there'll be fads and that kind of trends, you know, throughout, throughout time, but, um, traditional sort of German style or, you know, even French style, Western style chef knives are my sort my sort of thing. So deep, deep bellies, um, you know, a a curve to the belly, Mm -hmm. whereas obviously Japanese knife, you're going to get straight edge. Right. Um, I just find that shape quite elegant. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's what I use personally. Um, and you know, that's what I use every day. Um, that's what I, I got into, you know, coloring knives is because I love cooking. I'm in the kitchen, you know, every day cooking. Um, and my personal preference of a knife is, is, is a, you know, a standard eight inch or Western style chef knife. Um, so that's what I make. And we get a lot of sh- people on the, on the show asking, you know, what sort of style knife should I make? And we always say, you know, make what you're going to use, because if you're not going to use it, you're not going to know if it's good. 
Oh yeah. You know, I've made dozens of small, small tweaks to my, you know, to my knife because I'm using it every day. Um, and I, and I think, you know, if, if you're just starting out knife making, make what you, you know, if you go hunting, make a hunting knife, if you cook a lot, you know, make a chef knife. It's, yeah. So you recently started posting more frequently on your YouTube channel. Um, what was the thought process to start putting together more video content? Yeah, a couple of reasons, really. Um, the first one being is I'm not in the shop as much as I can be now because right. I have two little babies to be with. So my thinking is if I can just record something that I'm doing quickly, when I'm just sitting in the lounge with the babies, I can just be editing. It's, you know, it's something that I can be do, I can do without making a lot of noise and making sparks. Um, but the main reason, I suppose, is, I mean, the three of us, myself, Jeff, and Mareka, we get dozens and dozens of questions every week. Um, and you know, we don't mean to be rude, but sometimes we just can't answer them. Just can't right. answer them all. Um, so the whole point of these videos are I'm going to answer the most common questions that I'm always asked in a video. And that way I can just direct people them there. Um, and it's, yeah, it should stop the amount of messages that we're getting so we can just get some <laughs> more work done. That's, that's, that's the real purpose, I suppose. When you did your corrosion test video, was there anything that was surprising in the results? Yes, that the, the stainless wasn't stainless. It's, it's, um, it's stainless, um, but not stainless. Um, so, I mean, I, I suppose it was no surprise that the, the ferric chloride would, would eat through the stainless as well. Right. Um, but um, I'm not sure if you're aware in the US of Niolox. It's quite big here in Europe. It's, it's sort of, they call it a hybrid between a high carbon steel and a stainless steel. Right. Um, I expect that to, to have much better properties as, you know, at anti-corrosion than it did. Um, it was pretty much the same as a 52100 or like an 01 tool steel. It, it corroded in pretty much the same way. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty much marketing speak, really, when they're saying there's this, this brand new hybrid steel. It's just marketing stuff, really. <laughs> Do you have a favorite type of steel to use? Yeah. Uh, all my carbon steel knives are 52100. Um, simply because I think it gives a great edge. Um, they, they give a lovely patina. They don't tend to rust so much, but instead they'll darken and they'll develop this sort of protective coating, if you like. Um, I, I, I do things a little bit different to a lot of other knife makers that I know. So I won't grind a bevel, a cut-in bevel, until after heat treat. Whereas I know a lot of people will grind some, you know, some rough bevels, heat treat it, quench it, and then they'll, you know, after after tempering, then they'll do the the main grinding. Right. Um, but you know, as I said, I'm trying to I'm trying to make knives um, at a cost, at a certain cost. So that means you know within a certain time frame. But I was spending a lot of time correcting warps, that kind of thing, if I was grinding before heat treat. So what I tend to do now is profile them. Full heat treat, full temper before I, I do any sort of um, bevel grinds. That way, I'm not getting any warps. Um, I will go through a, a few more belts than you know if I were to do them the other way around because obviously I'm, I'm grinding hardened steel, right? And you need to be careful with you know with with temperature that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so sorry. Back to the question: fifty-two one hundred <laughs> for carbon steel, <laughs> and if it's a stainless, I'm generally using the Sandvik steels, the the Swedish steels. Um, which are you know, 14C28N and 12C27N, that kind of stuff. Okay. Do you have a preference for handle material? Wood. Always wood for me. Um, 
I just love the, you know, the grain can be different in every single knife. Um, I, I tend to have a range of knives that I do. Um, so, you know, if you were to lay 10 out on the table, they'd be within the same range. Um, but they'll be completely different because of the, you know, the, the grain and the bills and so on. I do, I do all my own stabilizing of wood as well. So sometimes I like to add dyes and that kind of thing. So you get these, you know, these interesting patterns. Um, I just find it works really well. And once they are stabilized, they're just as good as using G10 or Micarta or whatever you may use. Sure. Um, but I just find G10, and particularly Micarta, just nasty, nasty things to work with. You know, that dust is so toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can get a lovely finish, especially on G10. Um, and I know a lot of, sort of professional butchery knives, especially here in Europe, they're not allowed to use um, natural materials such as wood or bone, that kind of thing. They can only use oh. synthetic. Okay. Um, but they aren't my customers, really. You know, I don't supply to abattoirs, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, wood for me, I just find it, it it's beautiful. It, you know, in in all its forms, it can be it can be so beautiful. Um, did you ever end up making a knife that used the dehydrated tomato scales? I didn't. I didn't. But that was purely just. I've, I've got them around somewhere. <laughs> here, not here. Um, that was purely for a test. Um, so I am doing some knives with beetroot in the handle. Um, oh. So the, the the tomato was it was just a, a test on that, um, and it, it works exactly the same way. So you, you dehydrate um, your food first, so there's no moisture left at all. Yeah. Um, and then you just pour the resin over, and it and it, and it obviously creates an airtight seal. Um, the tomatoes, even even now, they they still look you know, as they were freshly cut. Um, so it seems to work. But um, no, I'm not, I won't be using the, the tomatoes in the handle. <laughs> uh, the beetroot looks very good because you, you just put a lot in. You, you, do, you can't really see there's a resin involved. It just looks like beetroot. Oh, okay. Uh, what is your favorite non-blade item to make? Ooh, non-blade. I mean, this is probably going to go completely against the grain of your audience here. Um, but it's electronics. I'm always making stuff with electronics and Arduinos and Raspberry Pis, that kind of thing. Oh, cool. oh nice. Um, and I like to make things that, that I'll use, you know. Um, an example here, I'm going to spin you around very quickly. So I've got a beer fridge here in the shop. Okay. And I used an Arduino to make... Um, the controller for that. So I just dial in the kind of beer I'm going to make. It'll hold the temperatures. It'll set the right PSI for the gas and all those kind of things. So I like to make sort of practical things. Um, so, yeah, electronics. I'm, I'm generally always dabbling with a with a soldering iron. And so you're a beer brewer as well? I am, yes, yes. Okay. I have a batch I, that we're working through right now, actually. <laughs> really? Yes. Really? What is it? Uh, it's like a Smithwick's Irish Red clone, Ooh, nice. basically. Very nice. Very nice. I've just um, kegged up some lemon drop IPA, oh, um, wow. and it went in the keg just two days ago, so it's still very fresh, um, and it's lovely. It's very good. Very <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we always like to ask, you know, Sean and I are getting involved in, in making knives, and we've done uh, some work on our first knives. We've taken classes and worked with a couple people. Uh, what would be your best beginner's advice to somebody that wants to start making a knife? I think it's a case of just take your time. Um, what I was finding was um, I made a couple of knives and I thought, oh, these are, these are good. Um, but I hadn't really seen any other handmade knives before. 
you know, uh, you know, I saw commercial knives, obviously, that was used in every day. I made my first knives, and I thought, these are great. Um, and then, you know, you start giving them to family and friends and that kind of thing. Um, and it's sort of six months down the line when, you know, the skill level ramps up massively. You just wish you could call back all those old knives. You know, you're just embarrassed about these. <laughs> oh, no, I've got these knives out there, and they got my name on it. So, you know, I, I, my background is sort of, you know, web stuff and software stuff where, you know, you can always ship new code and it replaces the old stuff. Right. But with these physical items, they're out there and they're going to be out there for a long time. Um, <laughs> so what I'd, what I'd say is really just just take your time and just just nail everything before you move on to the next. I tried to run before I could walk, basically. Oh, OK. Um, so, I've, I've, you know, I've got a bunch of knives which I can look at and say that is so wrong. And I've repeated the same mistake over and over. Rather than just say, right, I'm going to take, even if it takes me three months, I'm going to get this knife perfect. I was always trying to sort of cut steps just because, you know, well, that's not quite right, but, you know, I'll finish this and the next one will be perfect. Where, you know, rather than go back and make sure that was perfect. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to, you know, uh, like myself, I basically learned how to make knives via YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we've got all these these resources out there now to, you know, to help us make stuff. And they're generally sort of 10-minute shots. They're just like, 10 minutes, done. You know, and when I'm like three weeks into a build, I'm like, I'm doing this wrong, surely, you know? So, you know, we're, we're seeing people's best work in 10 minutes, thinking we can replicate that. Um, so, so I think when I was starting, I wish somebody had just said to me, look, just slow down, make sure this is perfect. Um, and then go on to the next one. You, you will get quicker over time, um, but you know it's it's harder to get better. Just do it as well as you can, and the timing will become quicker. Cool, gotcha. What tool do you use most often? The grinder, unfortunately. Um, and again, that's going to piss off your audience. They all, <laughs> they all want me to say an anvil or, or or my forge, but it's not. It's the grinder. I spent I spent so much time at the grinder. Um, I generally work in sort of small batches to four or five knives at a time. Um, and I've always got a bunch of knives at different stages. So some, you know, be ready for heat treat. Some the next day they'll be, you know, they'll be ready to go into for a temper. Um, so I generally work in sort of month cycles of a bunch of knives, but everything is always within a process. Um, I used to just, you know, take one knife from beginning to end. Um, but that, that's just not economical, uh, you know, when you, when you start, you know, using your belts on your grinder and when you're using your, you know, your even heat and so on, you, you need to fill that thing up really for it to become economical in the shop. Right. Um, so yeah, unfortunately it's the grinder. I spent a lot of hours standing there at the grinder, um, with a mask on, <laughs> find it very difficult to breathe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, it is the grinder, unfortunately. Is that your favorite tool to use or just the one you use most often? Uh, I love, um, I've got a Tormac, which I use for sharpening, and I love that just because it's, it's, it's the very last thing that you do. Um, and to me, that that's when it becomes a knife because until then, you know, I mean, I, I grind down to virtually a sharp edge anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put that final edge on and you cut through something, it's like, ah, we're done. This is a knife. Yep. Um, so it's, it's, it's always the Tormac. It's, you know, I put on some music. Um, Light a few can. No, I don't. Like <laughs> <laughs> but I put on some music and I just sort of get into it, you know, and spend a couple of hours doing a, a batch of knives. And it, it's just a nice thing to do. It's, it's, I say, it, it's the end of the knife, in my opinion, then. In the ever changing world of Damascus patterns, do you have a favorite? 
Well, I don't make Damascus in any way. Um, right. I've used other people's Damascus in the past, um, but I love like a like a raindrop Damascus with the circles, yeah. or you know, a rosebud as some people call it. Um, I find that beautiful because you can look at it and it's you know it's different all the time. It can be quite trippy as well at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, when it comes to patterns of Damascus, I mean, Morocco is the man for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Seeing what he does, it's, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Blows my mind. Oh yeah, that, we've gotten to see a couple of his pieces up close and personal, yeah. and it's like, damn! Like you're blown you... away, and he's like, "That spot right there is wrong." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very self-deprecating, Morocco, and you know his, his his work is so beautiful. But yeah, he he's never happy, which I think that's a good trait in any maker that you want to be better every time, and that the current knife that he's making, he's using gold inlays as well on the on the darker parts of the Damascus. Yeah, right. It's, going to be special very special so obviously we started as a forge and fire podcast and then kind of branched out into interviews and some other things would you have any interest in going on a competition show like that like forge and fire or master of arms um not me personally um i just find it strange it's they don't I'd, I'd love the idea of a show such as Forged in Fire where it's all about the maker and they're there to promote the maker and promote, um, you know, the, the art of making knives. Right. Um, but it, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, pure, it's, it's entertaining and that's what it's made to do. It's made to entertain. Um, but, you know, I've spoken to so many people who've been on the show, not as many as you. You guys have spoken to them all. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're not really getting anything out of the show. Um, you know, they they don't even have their names, you know, put up on screen most of the time. You know, certainly not their surnames or their their business name. Um, and I think, you know, if you're going to go on the show, it's going to take a few weeks out of your life. If you don't win, you'll be left with nothing. If you do win, you get, you know, 10 grand, which, you know, if that's taken a few weeks out of the shop, yeah. is it worth it? Um, so I'd love to see a show which is a bit more about the maker and promoting the maker and, you know, and promoting the, the skill of making knives or, you know bladesmithing because mm-hmm. um, you know they want the flames they want the fire they want people passing out because of the heat because it's entertaining <laughs> you know and it is entertaining I do watch and it's entertaining um, but it's, it's not really true to life of you know the life of a knife maker and the, you know trying to make your best work in three four hours is mm-hmm. you know it's always going to cause disasters yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we've seen it plenty of times yeah oh yeah what is involved in making your own mosaic pins um vacuums um so i use a vacuum so much in this shop it's, it's quite bizarre so the i i've got a number of vacuum pumps so one is will be for stabilizing wood another will be for the mosaic pins um and i mean this is this is going out on video as well yeah yeah so i'll try and explain as much by audio as i can as well but i've, I've actually got my mosaic bits here so i take a, a brass rod um, and this is a six millimeter or quarter inch, near enough quarter inch for the American guys out there. <laughs> uh, we, um, don't, we don't have our make everything reference chart to check. <laughs> yeah, Chris Zepp stickers. Um, so, yeah, I, I just take a, a brass pin, clean it up in acetone so it's completely clean. Um, I then take a bunch of smaller rods, um, whether they're brass, copper or stainless, um, and they go in. So you get a nice push fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get the pattern that you require. Um, and then 
um, you get your your resin, whatever resin you may be using, um, and mix in a color. I only ever use black, so I use iron oxide as a coloring. Okay. Mix that up. Um, and I suck it through with a vacuum very, very slowly. Um, so the uh, the resin comes in and it fills up all those gaps with the black resin. Um, tape up both ends, um, roll it every 20 minutes whilst it's drying, just to make sure you're not going to get any voids. Yep. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, you cut into it, um, give it a nice polish on the edge, um, and they generally always come out well. Um, you'll get some where you may have bubbles inside, but, you know, if you've gone too quick with the vacuum, you gen- that's generally the reason for that. Um, and I just think it gives a nice sort of finish to a knife. So um, I still use mechanical fixings as well, such as Corby bolts, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I like to put a mosaic pin as well. I think it just sort of blurs that line between something, you know, like a fine jewelry and a, and a tool, you know? Yeah. And I think if, if you're charging, you know, a couple of hundred dollars for a knife, people want, you know, see that extra sort of mile, really. Um, and people generally like them, like them a lot. So, yeah, I like I like making them. Cool. That's the last question, Sean. It's up to you if you want to go down that route. Or... Uh, sure. Why not? Have <laughs> you ever thought about now competing in a Have you ever thought about competing in a blade sports competition? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I find that strange, and I think it's a culture thing where, um, like American culture with guns and knives, are very different to a sort of European culture. Um, but I say that, but I, I now live in a very rural part of France. We're, we're sort of right in the middle of France. Um, and it's, it's, it's very much a sort of rural farming community. And, and everybody carries a knife here, which, which I was quite shocked with to begin with. Um, so, yeah, I, with regards to the culture, I, I suppose I've, I've moved into a place where knives are culture. Um, but, yeah, I mean, round, we wouldn't see any blade sports around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. Um Again, you know, like watching things like Knife or Death, you know, is, is it Knife or Death, have I called yeah, it yeah, something? that's right. It is Knife or Death. Um, you know, it's fun to watch, um, but I, I can't see myself doing that. And, <laughs> and again, it's not the kind of knife that I make anyway. Right. You know, I, I'd, I'd be heartbroken if I saw somebody trying to cut through rope with one of my chef knives. <laughs> <laughs> that's not its purpose, you know. So the big talk around our neck of the woods is that uh, Blade Show is coming up. And we are planning to attend in Atlanta. And I was wondering, do you have any plans to make an international trip to go to the Blade Show? Hoping so. Hoping oh. so. So we we chatted myself, Jeff and Mareko, um, and with a couple of our sponsors about maybe even doing some sort of show as well. Um, so we've looked into hiring venues over the weekend um, and maybe having some sort of evening um, of something going on. And uh, nothing's confirmed yet. Um, and having two babies in the house has sort of thrown spanners into the works a little bit. Um, but if I can get, if, if my wife allows me, I'll, I, I will be going, but whether we do something there as well, I don't know. Um, but I've never been, I've never been. So it, I think it would be real fun to go to and, and speak to a lot of people who I, you know, chat with online and, you know, listeners of the show, listeners of your show. I think it could be fun. It could be fun, but th- there is something very similar here in France every year called Coutelier. Okay. Um, in in Thiers. and Thiers is quite a famous sort of knife making village here in France, where the you know the Laguiole knives and so on are all made. Um, and that's quite a big event. Um, so I'll be going to that again this year. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll be able to jump on a plane and come over to uh, Blade as well. Awesome. Nice. Well, we hope to see you there. Right. Sean and I will be kicking around the show and 
We'll have a camera and microphones <laughs> ready to talk to people. So if we see you there, we're definitely going to have to grab you. Bring hot wings. Bring hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's all we got for questions. Anything Great else? Great stuff. You got any questions for us? <laughs> so what knives are you making? What, what's, what's your... Uh... What's your style? What, what are you trying to achieve? What would you call them? Well, we originally were calling them Bowie knives. They're right over there on the floor if you want to grab them, Sean, in the box. Um, yeah, they're, they're a Bowie style is at least how we started them. Um, they yeah. kind of become their own thing now that we've started forging out the handle shapes and and that sort of thing. But uh, let's see if we can show them what we got here. So which one is that next weekend working on the handles? So yes. this, this one's is. is this one mine? Yeah. One, this one's mine. Can you see that? Nice. Nice shape. That's very nice. Together. You know, we we are still learning. So uh it's not bad. And then which one's yours? This one, right? Is that yours, Sean? No, I think mm. that's the or other this one. one. Mm. No, this one is the uh yeah, cause middle it's bigger. one. Yeah. Oh. This one's Sean. Just claim the better one. Whichever one's best, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> the one I'm working on. Yeah, this is Sean's. And nice. then this one is the one that basically we're giving to people to show us how to do this, right? So every time we go, ah. we have this one as the model example knife. So we've had uh, Theo Naz, who was a two-time Forge and Fire champion. He started this with us. And then Ryan Brewer was uh, another Forge and Fire guy that was on the Spicy Mike episode of when he won ah. Forge and Fire, actually. <laughs> um, he helped us do the, the handles and uh, normalizing and then we're also going to be working with Matt Berry, who is just like a recent Forge and Fire champion. Yeah. And uh, we're going to start grinding these things probably in a few weeks. So they're coming together now. We kind of sat on nice. them for a while. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, progress. Nice. Yeah. So, so what started the show? Are you just big fans of the TV show and you thought you did, you did the podcast? Or is yeah. it Knives always been an interest for you guys? Yeah. Well, we had the equipment from the uh, podcast we used to do based on a, a mobile game yeah then it kind of fizzled out and <laughs> we had built this whole studio for this really stupid podcast that we did for a while and then it was sitting here once that died out and then we started we Teresa's dad was like oh there's a show it's so much fun you should watch it on history channel so we started watching it we went to a mutual friends band play yeah and then we realized that sean also watched the show on occasion and, and said, kind of well, maybe there. we should do something with it. It was like I did one Google search, and there was no other content out there besides what History Channel was putting out. And there was like wow. a few little videos from guys that were on the show, but not much. I was like, this is kind of an untapped market. So we we figured we'd try it out. And that's kind of what led us down this route. And it was only after a couple episodes that the people that were on the show started catching wind and, and contacting us and that's how we started getting into the interviews and things so yeah i'm guessing they I think were it's probably great searching and trying to see if anything else was out there too yeah <laughs> so I, like, like we said i mean the show isn't really much of a platform to you know to get people's names out there so what you guys do then is great because then you know they, they've got their voice and they can then talk about themselves and you know what they get up to yeah it's great but have you been surprised with the the amount of people sort of within the community. I thought what I did was very sort of making knives was very niche. There can't be many people doing this. <laughs> Started the podcast and it's just like, poof, there's all these people. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We I still kind of think that way. But then I'm, I'm, hmm. I'm always constantly surprised how big 
the community is. Yeah. Yeah. And how close it is. It, a lot of these people that we're talking to aren't far away from us. But there's like different pockets, I yeah. think. I mean, every state in in the U.S. probably has their own people that make knives. But like for some reason, New England, there's quite a bit within a few states together that they can all drive around and work together. Um, and then you have the the South guys, like the Tennessee guys and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then there's the West Coast contingent, which is almost like a little different game of what they're they're working on. But it's all over the place. So like everybody has their own style. So... We, we happened to meet a bunch of people from all over the country when we went down to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee for the grudge match. And that was just maybe, what, 30, 30 Smiths or so yeah. that were all Fortune Fire guys. But yeah. it, like just hearing about them and the work they're doing and kind of getting introduced to the world that way was, it was a shock. And, and then, they're all very welcoming and oh, yeah. everyone yeah. wants to help each other out. And it's, well, like, yeah. for example, Jason Knight, was one of the first people that found us and like he's one of the hosts of fortune fire for a while and he was you know <laughs> he's got all these people that want to buy his stuff and he randomly messaged us one day and said what do you guys well, do yeah. anyway <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah it's been yeah we've had a lot of fun and we've gotten to meet a lot of uh i'm gonna go check on the girls because we heard a noise all right bye. so uh, bye 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 so thanks again for coming on with us. Um, it's been a blast. We can finally say we completed the trifecta yeah. of knife talk hosts. All three of us. All three of us. We yes. spanned the ocean. <laughs> yes. You know, we laid the groundwork. Exactly. Yeah. For exactly. others to come. Exactly. The satellites <laughs> are up there. We've set them up ready. You can yep. use them again now. Yeah, Even so for toilet talk. You can expect, get the you know, world famous covers for toilet talk. Yeah, too. expect <laughs> a lot of people to start reaching out to you now that we've established this channel, this communication <laughs> channel. <laughs> Well, we just but wanted honestly, to say, guys, thank you, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you, and well, um, thank you I'm, for I'm, coming I'm, on. I'm a fan as well, so it's good. Awesome, it's all good, fantastic. Thanks again for coming on with us, and uh, we will say Chop Knives is where they can find you on Instagram or chopknives.com. That's it. That's it. Yes. Yep. And Knife Talk, of course. Always search for Knife Talk podcast. KnifeTalk.net. Yes, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. Dot com was gone. .com is gone, obviously. Oh. It says right here, knifetalk.net. Yeah. Uh, become so, a member of the Right Angle Grinder community if you can. <laughs> well, you know, be careful. <laughs> you know, be careful. With, we've, got oh, the yeah. chairman, we've got the chairman of the community there now. He's wearing his T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and but seriously, guys, thank, thank you very much. Thank and, um, you. Have a great weekend. You, you too. too. You have a good one. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Ha ha, you got the t-shirt. Of course. <laughs> Z t-shirt. <laughs>